shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly, a podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. And welcome to My Friend Autism. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Orion Kelly and I'm autistic. But what's critical to understand is that I'm just one person on the autism spectrum. So if you've met one person on the spectrum, well, you've met one person on the spectrum. No two autistic people are the same. We have individual strengths and challenges. My purpose is to empower you with knowledge, education and growth opportunities through open, honest and engaging conversations about autistic people. This podcast seeks to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. My hope is it will increase understanding and acceptance of autistic people. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Online at orionkelly.com.au On this episode, I'm going to be sharing my own personal experiences on what it's like to be an autistic dad. So I'll catch you up on the whole story first, okay? Now, I'm autistic. I'm an adult. I have a wife and two kids. Now, in addition to being autistic, I have an autistic son, which means I'm an autistic dad parenting an autistic son. And this is the episode, my friends. Strap yourself in, okay? We're going to talk about what does it feel like to be an autistic dad raising an autistic son and how does an autistic dad raise an autistic son? And clearly, of course, my beautiful wife who is not autistic, she clearly raises our kids as well. I'm just talking about it from the lens of an autistic dad raising autistic kids or kid, how that would be a challenge and what are the benefits and Challenges. So we'll get to all that. My diagnosis came later in life. And so did a lot of other things, which is really interesting because I was a late dad. And when I say a late dad or an old dad, I mean a dad in his 30s versus young dads who have kids in their 20s. Okay. So it doesn't really matter when you have kids. But from my point of view, when I look back at it now, I don't think I would have been ready to have kids as a young dad. And for many factors, emotional maturity, not understanding myself, but the lessons learned from all those past friendships and relationships, they readied me to be a dad. And in addition to that, being autistic, which really connects to all those things I've just discussed, not knowing I was autistic was one of the reasons why I clearly thought, well, hang on a second, I'm not young. Why do I not feel emotionally ready or mentally ready for these types of things and that's because you know as an autistic person I can only talk on my own experience the emotional intelligence is something that can take longer to build and something that you start from behind the pack when you're born and you build it up slowly so it happened at the right time and for the right reasons for me becoming a dad in my 30s my wife and I have two kids now one being autistic, one being neurotypical. I've spoken about this before, and just to recap, if it wasn't for my son's diagnosis of being autistic, there's every chance I would have never have known 
or being diagnosed as autistic myself. And that's because having him come along and have the challenges and the things that were different as we raised him from a baby started to point out things of my own. Our firstborn, clearly, it's an incredible, joyful time. It's a great moment in your life. There were challenges for us, really right from the start. Raising our firstborn prior to his diagnosis was very challenging. I mean, I guess it many times thought maybe we're just not very good at parenting because it was that hard. It was that challenging. And it's hard for the outside world to relate or appreciate it. They don't really, until you live it, you don't get it. And that's an experience I can say for our own personal family. Our own personal family don't really get it until they spend a night with us or spend time with us. And they go, wow, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is actually quite challenging. So frankly, I, I thought I was a bad dad. And to be honest with you, I, I really, you know, for the most part, I feel like I'm a bad dad most days. And this podcast will dissect if I think I'm a bad dad because I'm just that or because I'm autistic trying to raise an autistic son. The story of our son's diagnosis and how it led to my diagnosis, as I've told you, is, is a really big thing to me. I mean, if it wasn't for our firstborn, I may never sought a diagnosis. I may never discovered I was autistic. It really was the turning point in my life, and it's all thanks to our firstborn son. But prior to that turning point, prior to us both being diagnosed autistic, there were some clear parenting challenges. I want to share some with you. So prior to our son's diagnosis at five years old, my wife and I, we struggled to understand some of the behaviours, some of the emotions our son would exhibit. Play involvement. Okay, here this is an example, right? So I know kids like to play. Yeah, they like to play with other kids. They like to creatively play, imaginally, imagination. That's not a word. <laughs> like to imagine play. They like to make stuff up and... They like to play with people, but they also are happy to play by themselves. Okay, well, from the very start to really now, our, our son, who's autistic, he needs us to play with him. And when I say that, I mean, I don't know what to do. You know, I want to play this. You have to play it with me and you will do this. And there's directing involved. So you have to be involved for the most part in his play. Now, I, he absolutely plays by himself at times. Absolutely. And he's, he's extremely creative and imaginative. That's there. But for the most part, he needs involvement of others. So he won't just happily play by himself. And that means we've got to do things that we don't really want to do, right? So instead of when your kids play, that's where you can get things done. For us, no. When, when, like when, when our son is playing, that means we, we, have to, we have to play with him and we don't get to get things done. So that's one of the examples. That was a, that's a big challenge when you think about it. You feel like you're on a movie set. Honestly, it's like he's the director and action. You do this, I'll do that. And you have no say because you're just the lowly actor. <laughs> yes, director. And just This is a daily thing. Lighting up cars is something he still does. He did it prior to diagnosis, still does it. Now, we, we know now as an autistic person, it's in my way, I think it's a form of stimming, which is classed as a self-stimulation, like a regulation, done for many reasons, stimming. Autistic people can do it really in, you think, you name it, and it's, it's, a, it's a reason for doing it. So you could stim if you're overwhelmed. You could stim if there's noise that's affecting you. Uh, you could stim 
if you feel like you're getting a bit upset or angry or happy or overexcited or you need a break from the world or whatever. You do things. So he would get all these cars and he has hundreds of them and he'd line them up. Well, when I mean line them up, I mean he'd get the cars and one after the other, right? One giant line of cars. And then when he'd reach the end of the line, he'd get more cars and he'd have other lines. So lining up these cars, it's a weird, odd challenge because once he does this, which could take him a long time, he won't even think of moving them or picking them up. In fact, if someone touched them or moved them or kicked them or you know put them out of place, that would be very bad. The idea of packing them up, no. Well, these are where they need to be. So you, know, you will spend your night packing up literally hundreds of cars and trucks because the bottom line is, look, you either want them packed up or you don't. <laughs> so you can, you can argue with the kid all you want, but you're only going to get what you're going to get. So you know, it's night, daytime playing all the time, nighttime packing up a 1,000 cars. And on top of the whole don't move the cars in the line, kids or people touching his things, not usually a good thing. He didn't, you know, prior to his diagnosis, we, we were struggling to work out why he simply didn't want anyone else to touch his things or he did, really he didn't want people to play with him. It was a big thing. He would write signs. He would get you to write stop on something and he'd have actual signs. So it was that serious. And this is prior to the diagnosis. We didn't really understand. He didn't really care to play with other kids. He didn't care if there were kids across the road. He just wanted to play him, play by himself, play his stuff, touch his stuff. Other people, they can't. If they're coming over, people are coming over, make sure you tell them they can't touch my stuff. It's that level. Meeting new people or leaving the house. Prior to his diagnosis, again, we, we didn't really connect the dots here. We just thought, well, geez, I mean... You know, it's trouble at home, but if you leave the house, he has to warm up and it can take hours to warm up to people. Sometimes he never warms up to we're virtually getting in the car to leave. It's like, what? Um, you know, you feel bad for him because he had he wasted that time. Not that he was trying to, but, you know, you feel bad that he could have had a, a more fun experience with the people there, but he just couldn't get himself across the line. You know, leaving the house alone is hard. And this is all prior to the diagnosis. We simply didn't understand why all these things were happening, but they were happening to us and it, it was building on building and just overwhelming us. And this is an example of where I felt like a bad dad. I just don't understand why all these things are happening and I'm really bad at dealing with how they need to be dealt with. You just feel out of your depth, just a bad parent. So when our son was diagnosed autistic at five, automatically we could see the benefits. A lot of parents I hear mourn it or look down on it or think that's it for our daughter or son now. For us, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's such a benefit to receive a diagnosis. The first thing, a diagnosis can validate that you're not a bad person, right? I mean, people look at you and go, why, why are you playing like that? Why don't you want to play with other kids? Why don't you like meeting people? Why don't you like people touching your stuff? You know, you're not broken. You are autistic. You're not a bad person. You are autistic. Does that make sense? It, there's a benefit in that. You finally understand yourself. It's profoundly beneficial, and it was beneficial for our son and me. Suddenly, we weren't alone. There were various therapies available for our son, and again, that can help the mental health of him knowing that people understand there's certain things that he experiences and they can help him navigate those 
experiences, okay? So, you know, the, the intervention therapies, what I like to call acting classes. And being autistic myself, I could now advocate for him and assist others in understanding his motivations and his reasons for different behaviours. Does that make sense? So once his diagnosis led to my going, wow, this is a me too moment, and my diagnosis and realising we're both autistic, I realised, okay, who better to advocate for my autistic son than his autistic dad and to convey to people why, why these things are happening and how best to understand them and how best to navigate them. Because it's not about managing or dealing with autistic people. Who would say that? Could I say that about you? Let's say you're not autistic. What's the best way to deal with you? What's the best way to manage you? That doesn't make any sense, right? You're a human. You're a person. You're a unique individual. And I think also another benefit of diagnosis, and this is more for me, was I understood myself better and realised that when I think I'm a bad dad, I can also mount an argument that I'm a good dad. Well, I'm not a normal dad. And I guess what I'm saying is being autistic in many ways makes me a better dad or a different dad and not a normal dad, right? You know, I'm childish. I'm playful. I'm hands-on. I'm a hands-on dad. I hope you understand what I mean when I say that. But what I, I guess what basically what it means is I actually parent i do the stuff all the stuff right there's nothing i don't do except if my wife's listening and then then i don't do anything uh, to do with housework um the fairies do that at nighttime apparently you'll have to talk to my wife about the fairies that come at nighttime and do the housework i'm not familiar with them i've never seen the fairies i don't know who they are where they come from i know they exist and i know my wife strongly tells me on a daily basis that uh, thank goodness the fairies come and clean the house at night time. So I want to take this opportunity to thank the fairies and to thank my wife for employing the fairies. <laughs> I'm a hands-on dad, okay? Weekends. Weekends are no different to me than weekdays, as in I spend time with my family during the week and I spend time with my family on the weekends. My wife predominantly works more than me, okay? So I'm at home with our boys, certainly our, our youngest boy, all week. Then on the weekend, I'm at home with my family because I'm a parent and I have kids. As an autistic person, I, I can struggle to understand why some dads, and, and I'm talking about dads, not wives, because, because I'm a dad, why some dads could work all week and then on the weekend spend minimal time with their own family and their own kids and go off and do other things by themselves or with friends. I don't get that. I find that strange. If you don't see your kids all week, apart from minimal times, in the morning at night and then on the weekends when you have time to actually have quality time with your family and you choose to do other things recreational things or whatever uh, and basically spend the same amount of time on the weekends with your kids as on the week I don't get that what's the point of being a dad then you should, probably shouldn't have been a dad because you're pretty you sound like a pretty crap dad to me that's just my opinion and I'm autistic and that's how I communicate and speak and if you've got a problem with that you know, go ahead and I suggest you listen to other podcasts. I like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Look that one up. Maybe that'll make you feel like a better dad. But, and the thing is too, it's not just about spending time with your kids. Like let's assume that your partner spent all week caring for your family and then on weekends you go and do your thing. Well, hang on a second. Like maybe it's not just about spending time with the kids. Maybe it's about actually caring for your kids as well and giving your partner a bit of a break. I've gone on one of my... Famous autistic rants again, but it is what it is, mate. Like, seriously, dude, it's the truth. Honestly, 
if you got a partner and had kids, be a dad, mate. Be a, do the other stuff once, once you've done the dad stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't care if you work all week. You, you can't spend eight hours playing golf on the weekend. You spend eight hours on the weekend hanging out with your family. Uh, seriously. How about that uh, local uh, sporting team? Yeah. How's about that weather? Good segue. Uh, let's talk about the challenges of being an autistic dad. Now, we've talked about the benefits, and that is that it, you know, it allows you to feel like you aren't broken, you aren't a bad person, you're autistic. You're different, and that's good. But challenges of being an autistic dad, and this is the big stuff for me, this is the meat of this episode. So I'm autistic. I'm a grown man, I'm a dad, and I have an autistic son. So there's a, there's, for me, there's, there's a lot more hoops to jump through than your standard everyday life, okay? It's one thing to be an autistic dad trying to parent non-autistic, neurotypical kids, right? Because that would be tricky because you're an autistic dad and you, re- you react, relate, and experience the world differently. But if you are now parenting a child who is also autistic, there are many challenges. On the one hand, you understand your autistic child like pretty much no one else can, and therefore you can properly advocate for them. However, my autistic son can trigger me like no other person in the family, and conversely, I can trigger him like no one else in our family. Does that make sense? So because we're both autistic, different things trigger us, and What's worse about this is my level of anxiety, given that I have comorbidities of anxiety linked to being autistic, my level of anxiety heightens it. So, for example, the way he might act when he's feeling a certain way or the way he might just move his body or allow himself to do certain things that you probably shouldn't do. For example stand on the top of the couch as it rocks back and he falls to the ground. Doing things that clearly, you know, rest his entire body on his neck upside down. Things that you should not do because they're dangerous, right? As an autistic person, when you're a child, you can, in some instances, certainly in my experience with my son, do dangerous things regularly because you don't actually appreciate the danger. And it provides you with feedback to your body it allows you to actually feel your body in space because that can be an issue too. The, I guess the dyspraxia and the, the awareness of the world around you and your body in the world. So things are done, I guess in a way, just to, just to make you feel like, oh, okay, here's my body. I feel my body now. This is where I'm in, right? And it, and it, but it comes across to normal people like, whoa, dude, you, you will die. <laughs> I mean, seriously, if we said you will die once in a day, it would be a good day. It doesn't have. It's like seriously, mate. You, you can't do that, okay? Like if you fall from there, you will die. And this is like, I might as well get a t-shirt and just point to the t-shirt. Hey, mate, if you keep climbing that and you fall from that, look at the t-shirt. What does the t-shirt say? Seriously, the way my son and I stim, so self-stimulate when, as autistic people, we are becoming overwhelmed, or there's there's a lot of sensory stuff that is getting to us, noise actions and all different things it could be it could be all manner of feedback and experience issues that is making us stim to try and soothe ourselves or stimulate ourselves or calm ourselves down the way we do it believe it or not actually sets the other person off now this is it, it is ridiculous so the noise the level the repetitive nature the sounds 
These set each other off. You know, my son might do repetitive noises or he might repetitively sing the same line of a song over and over or he might eat really loudly or do things to his food before he eats it or while he's eating it. Right, right. And I'll, that will just be, it'll, I can't take it. Now, of course, he's doing that because he can't take the world around him at that moment and is therefore trying to get himself back. But when he does that, that sets me off and then I can't take the world around me and then I do stuff that helps me come back and then that sets him off. <laughs> so there's no win because we stim in different ways. Everyone does. Everyone's different. I mean, no duh, right? Some people like the clay. Some people like touching things. You know, some people do tapping, you know, like you tap on your body. Some people do different things. I do crazy things. I, I put on weird voices, funny voices. When I say funny, it's, it's important to understand nothing in the world is funny unless it's funny to me. Okay? I don't care if my voice is not funny to you. That's not the point. I do my funny voices because they're funny to me. They make me laugh. That's all I care about. In the end, it comes down to if it's funny to me, it's funny, right? So if it's not you saying, oh, well, it's not funny to you, it's not funny. Well, hang on. It's funny to me and it's me I'm living. So <laughs> what's the difference? I also like to sing songs, but I mean really cheesy old songs and in quite cheesy old weird voices. I know it all comes down to voices and communication. To me, it's funny. You know, like really old love songs and – in a way that I'm almost like whinging the song to him. And, you know, clearly it's entirely entertaining to me, but just sets him off. Just like the stuff he does sets me off. Other things, if I'm stressed, I can therefore stress him, right? Or if he is stressed, if he's had a stressful time or moment or day, that will then stress me because I take on what he's feeling. This is another thing about being an autistic person, certainly in my experience and my son's experience, people will say on the outside, externally, we look almost emotionless, right? Almost flat nothingness. There's no expressions there, right? But in fact, the empathy levels can be through the roof and the feeling of emotions can be profound underneath the surface because you have to understand that the disconnect between interactions, this is a whole other video, podcast, blog, whatever you want to say. This is a podcast, obviously, but that's a whole other topic. Just to break it down into, a, I guess, a sentence, one of the main challenges I have as an autistic person is the social interactions, is the reading of people, is the understanding of people. And that goes both ways. So understanding you're upset and showing an upset exterior as a form of empathising with you is not something that I can tend to do. But of course, if you are upset, the chances are that I take on that sadness and I feel profoundly upset for you. But I look blank, but I'm not. Does that make sense? It's buried underneath. I can't fix that. It's it would be offensive to you. I'd be kind of faking or acting or putting on something. And the, the, and the thing is, too, my brain wouldn't even suggest that. So there's no use even saying, oh, why don't I just try to be externally you know, empathetic? Well, I can't because I wouldn't have even thought of that in the first place because I have that challenge. You could call it whatever you want to call it, a deficiency, a challenge, whatever. It's just a fact. You know, From my point of view, the, my autistic brain has a stronger, larger logical part and a a, you know, a smaller emotional core than a neurotypical non-autistic person. So 
there's more work to be done there where the logic is more powerful. So from stress leading to stress, meltdown can lead to meltdown. So for example, if if I am parenting my autistic son and for one reason or another, he has a meltdown. And when I say meltdown, I don't want you to think of this normal, everyday, neurotypical meltdown phrase. Like, oh, Jim had a meltdown at work today, didn't he? Well, you didn't. I mean, I get what you're saying. You're using just a turn of phrase, and that's cool. What you mean is he had a bit of a moment, right? He just he just lost it. People lose it. People get angry, right? But it's still a controllable thing, right? It's still something that you can control. You, can, you understand why you're feeling like that, and you just think, oh, I'm letting it go. I'm letting off steam, right? But for an autistic person, a meltdown is not controllable. It's not the same, but an example could be if you have epilepsy and you have a seizure, you didn't choose to have that seizure. It's not controllable, right? If you're an autistic person and sensory overload or the way you're experiencing the world has become so much, too much, that you have a meltdown or a shutdown, shutdown being a lot more inward, meltdown being a lot more exterior, it's not like you chose that. It was a result of being overloaded. It's not controllable. Okay, so if he has a meltdown, often that can lead to me having a meltdown because it becomes too much. There's too much on each other's plate. It's not like I can turn off my autistic brain. And this is the thing. If you're autistic, you're autistic because you have a brain that's wired differently. That's it. It's not because you look different. It's not because your body's different. No, you are, it's a neurological, developmental disability, if you want to call it that. To me, it's not a disability. It's an advantage. Nevertheless, we're talking about it from a purely standard point of view. It's a neurological disability. It's a brain thing. My brain is different. It's wired differently. So being a dad, you would think, well, hang on. If you've got an autistic son and he has autistic experiences and they become quite confrontational or quite hard or quite tricky for you, can't you just try and stop your autistic reactions? Can't you block them or suppress them? Can't you just do, like just you be the adult and he be the child. I hear this a lot, you know, well, hang on, he's the child and you're the adult. So you act like an adult and he acts like a child. And I think to myself, well, this is real. I mean, like I totally get that, but it's actually really offensive. I think, well, hang on, let's look at it logically, okay? We're both autistic we both have autistic brains and you're asking me, what you're really asking me is for him to be a kid, well, he is a kid, but he's an autistic kid. So there's no use saying he, get, he can get away with stuff because, you know, the, kid, the kid's being a kid. He's not being a kid. He's being an autistic kid and it's very different. Kids have tantrums. They're controllable. They're designed to manipulate, let off steam. Autistic kids have meltdowns are not controllable. They have disconnected from themselves in that moment. They cannot be reached. So for me, how, what, what do you mean be an adult? What do you mean be an adult? I am an adult. I can't be anything but an adult, but I've got an autistic brain. I can't, what you're basically saying is, well, look, he's, he's the autistic kid and you're the autistic adult. You know, be an adult, which means don't be autistic. But I, I can't turn off being autistic. It's my brain. If I turn off my brain, how do I live? How do I parent? I, I don't think that's possible. Is there science to back me up here? <laughs> you know, look at it logically. What are, you, what are you telling me to do? Be an adult, mate. Yeah, okay, I'll turn my brain off, stop being autistic, and I'll just be an adult. Well, of course, I'll be brain dead, but apart from that. But in my opinion, the absolute biggest challenge of being an autistic dad 
is the need to suppress my natural autistic responses when caring for my kids. Exactly what I've just talked about. When people say, why can't you just, you know, be the grown-up? In other words, not be autistic or suppress your autistic self. That is ridiculous. But can I tell you, easily the biggest challenge of being an autistic dad, raising an autistic son, is that I actually have to try and do that. I actually have to try on a daily basis to suppress my natural autistic response, my natural autistic self, in order to properly care for my kids. That, that's, in, that's in my opinion. That's what I feel like I've got to do. I can't be just naturally autistic, be a naturally autistic dad and raise a naturally autistic son and a neurotypical son. I can't because I feel like I might, I might scare them or I might let them down. I might give them the wrong impression. You know, I, I mean, I could emotionally scar them for being normal as an autistic person and having a meltdown or saying the wrong thing. In other words, allowing myself to be my true autistic self while caring for my autistic son doesn't work most of the time. That's my realisation. And it's a horrible realisation. It's the biggest challenge. How can I be my true self, an autistic person, and raise my kids, including an autistic son and a neurotypical son. And at the moment, where I'm at right now, I can't. I have to suppress, mask, camouflage, hide all my autistic responses to situations as best I can. Now, I fail on a daily basis. How couldn't I? You can't successfully be someone you're not 100% of the time, right? It's impossible. Well, I try to every day for what I feel is the best interests of my kids. And it seems ridiculous and counterintuitive to me, but I can't think of a better way because they're kids. <laughs> what are you going to do? Frankly, it's a really frustrating situation for me. I utterly adore my wife and my kids. I love my family. But it's really tricky being an autistic dad, raising an autistic son. I really hope my experiences, my stories, my insights into being a dad, being an autistic dad, have helped you in some way to understand autistic people better, to develop an acceptance of autistic people. That's what I'm all about. That's what my podcast is all about. And I hope in sharing my experiences as an autistic dad, it's, it's given you some level of understanding and acceptance. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. My Friend Thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. I really do appreciate it. And if this episode has resonated with you, well, could you please share it with your family and friends so we can reach more people? And if you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore or just say hi, like the Orion Kelly Facebook page or send me a message via my website, orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. This podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while providing real insights into life on the spectrum. Together, we can make the world a better place for autistic people and hopefully raise a level of understanding and acceptance. All I'm asking is for you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thanks for opening your mind and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook. 
or visit orionkelly.com.au.